This is Cardinal Francis George. I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Word on Fire Catholic Ministries is a nonprofit ministry at the forefront of Catholic evangelization, using new media to spread the faith on every continent. Father Barron challenges us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The global benefactors of Word on Fire, with the support of the Archdiocese of Chicago, now present Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, I want to take the opportunity on this last Sunday of the liturgical year, as we stand on the eve of Advent, to comment on a rather momentous change that will be coming in our liturgy next week. Starting on the first Sunday of Advent, the churches of the uh, English-speaking world will be using a new translation of the Roman Missal, which is to say, the prayers of the Mass. I want to emphasize first that this is a translation of the Latin Missal approved after Vatican II. There's no return to the old Mass implied in this change, as some people have feared. Here's the background for it. What had come increasingly to bother the bishops of the English-speaking world was that the translation of the Latin that had been done in some haste in the late 60s and early 70s of the last century was not sufficiently faithful to the text and actually introduced some elements that were detrimental to our prayer. And so over the course of many years, two groups in particular I'll mention. One is ICEL, I-C-E-L, that means the International Commission on English and the Liturgy, and Vox Clara, that means clear voice, a committee of bishops and other experts from the English-speaking churches. These two groups labored over a new translation. It was finally, after many years, given approval by the Vatican and by the Bishops' Conference of the U.S., and Advent 2011, so next week, was given as a date for the commencing of the use of this new missal. What I want to do is just make some general remarks about it and then show you some of the new texts and compare them to uh, the older versions to show you what I think the translators were interested in in this uh, process. You know, first of all, it's appropriate that I make this initial observation on the Feast of Christ the King, our feast for today. Because one of the major contributions of the new translation is that it restores much of the courtliness, seriousness, and elegance of the Latin texts. The authors of these prayers knew. Now, again, the roots of these prayers go way back. These Latin prayers go back many centuries. The authors knew that they were addressing a king, indeed the king of the universe. And therefore, very consciously, their language is not the language of the street, nor the language of casual conversation among friends. You know what I mean. There's a way we talk when we're just chatting with each other. There's a way you talk, let's say, with someone you've just met. And then a third way you might talk to a dignitary. You're coming into the presence of the president or the governor or of a bishop or some dignitary. Well, you're going to speak in a particular way. You're not going to use the slangy, casual speech of ordinary conversation. So one of the distinctive marks of this Latin, of these Latin texts, is just that. 
is the language of the court a language, if you want, fit for a king? Now, again, you know, the, the contrast is important here culturally. Starting in the late 60s of the last century, English speakers began to prize direct, unadorned, honest, and blunt speech. And this happened in my own lifetime. Just listen to the dialogue from movies in the 70s and compare it to dialogue in movies from the 30s and 40s. Or, you know, another instructive example, listen to how most of us preach today and then listen to Fulton Sheen preaching in the 40s and 50s. There's a cultural watershed in the 60s where, where on both sides of that divide, we did things in very different ways. We kind of developed a prejudice against what we took to be fussy or overly ornamental speech. And see, I think the translators of the Latin text back in the 60s and 70s were very much influenced by this cultural prejudice in favor of more blunt, casual, and direct speech. See, what it led to, the bishops began to fear, was a certain flattening out of the language of the liturgy. Now, I'm going to give you one example chosen almost at random. We could find lots of other ones. But listen to the difference between earlier and later versions of the opening prayer for the Tuesday of the first week of Advent. So we'll pray this just in a few days. Here's the version that we've been using for the past 40 years. God of mercy and consolation, help us in our weakness and free us from sin. Hear our prayers that we may rejoice at the coming of your Son. Okay, that's, that's pretty clear, short sentences, uh, direct. Now listen to the new translation. Same prayer, same Latin, but different translation. Look with favor, Lord God, on our petitions, and in our trials grant us your compassionate help, that consoled by the presence of your Son, whose coming we now await, we may be tainted no longer by the corruption of former ways. Well, you can hear it, can't you? That's more the language of the court, language you'd use in the presence of a king. And it does reflect, it seems to me, the rhythms and style of the Latin more um, accurately. Second observation I make, there's a greater theological density to the new language. Around the time of the first translation, so going back to the 60s and 70s, There was, I think, a certain conviction that overly theological language would turn people off. It would make the liturgy less immediately appealing. There was a desire to make the liturgy as accessible as possible. And so, listen to this now, a difference between the old and new versions of the post-communion prayer for the 30th Sunday of the year. So again, I chose this more or less at random. Here's the prayer now that you've been hearing for the past 40 years. Lord, bring to perfection within us the communion we share in the sacrament. May our celebration have an effect in our lives. Okay, that's the translation that we've heard for the past 40 years. Now, here's the version of, mind you, the Latin, it's the attempt to translate the same Latin. But listen how different it is. May your sacraments, O Lord, we pray, Perfect in us what lies within them, that what we now celebrate in signs we may one day possess in truth. Now, see, here's the first observation. Isn't it hard to imagine? And that, that English there 
mimics, it translates the Latin. It's hard to imagine that first version even having a vague relation to that uh, Latin substrate. Lord, bring to perfection within us the communion we share in the sacrament. May our celebration have an effect in our lives. See, that first version is short, blunt, and frankly has something of the feel of an instruction manual, doesn't it? Notice how blandly the central petition is rendered. May our celebration have an effect in our lives. Well, I mean, what kind of effect? (laughs) Isn't effect a rather cold technical term? The second version is much more theologically dense. Look how it prays, May your sacraments, O Lord, perfect in us what lies within them. See, it's a very interesting idea that there's a grace in the sacrament that lies hidden within them. And we're praying that that sacramental grace now might come to perfection in us. That's the effect, by the way, that we're praying for. It's a very definite, theologically dense effect. And then further, that what we now celebrate in signs, we may one day possess in truth. That part just disappeared in the first version. But see how wonderfully rich that is theologically. What we now celebrate in signs, so the sacraments are all signs, we may one day possess in truth. We're praying for the heavenly fulfillment of what we now see through a glass darkly. See how beautiful, rich, theologically dense that is. A third quality of the new prayers, I would say, is they are more poetic and scriptural than their forebearers. It seemed to have been a conscious decision of the earlier translators that much of the imagery of the Bible should be trimmed in the English versions they produced. The Bible, as you know, I mean, go back to the Psalms and the wisdom literature and uh, the Gospels themselves. I mean, it's richly poetic, metaphorical language. It's not the language of a technical manual, nor is the language of a political uh, speech. It's a richly metaphorical, poetic language. So let me give you an example now of a difference between the older and newer translations. Here's how the first translators gave us the first Sunday of Advent, the opening prayer. So the one you're going to hear next Sunday. Here's the old version. All-powerful God, increase our strength of will for doing good, that Christ may find an eager welcome at his coming. Okay, and we've been hearing that for the past 40 years. Here's the new version. And again, trust me when I tell you, it reflects the Latin uh, much more accurately, but listen to it. Grant your faithful, we pray, almighty God, the resolve to run forth to meet your Christ with righteous deeds at his coming, so that gathered at his right hand, they may be worthy to possess the heavenly kingdom. (laughs) It's, It's almost... Uh, comical, I mean, how different they are. First one, all-powerful God, increase our strength of will for doing good, that Christ may find an eager welcome at his coming. Okay, clear, direct, you'd say. Rather unadorned. Again, the second one. Grant your faithful, we pray, almighty God. Notice right away how courtly that language is, to my first point. It's not simply saying, all-powerful God. 
Like you come to the, into the presence of a king, and you just name him. This one has the language of petition, see, throughout it. Grant your faithful, we pray, almighty God. But then listen to the scriptural richness. The resolve to run forth to meet your Christ with righteous deeds at his coming, so that gathered at his right hand, they may be worthy to possess the heavenly kingdom. Look at the poetic tropes there. First of all, running forth to meet Christ. Secondly, being gathered at his right hand. It's a very classical biblical image. And then possessing the heavenly kingdom. See, all that was missing in the first translation. The new translators wanted this biblical poetic richness to come through. You know, perhaps just one last word as I run out of time. Maybe the change you'll notice most directly. We've been saying now for the past 40 years, when the priest says, the Lord be with you, and the people respond, and also with you. That was a change that was unique to English-speaking countries. If you go to France and the priest says, le Seigneur soit avec vous, you say, et avec votre esprit, and with your spirit. Well, that's what the Latin says. And then we're going to say that now, beginning next week. We're going to say, and with your spirit. The idea is, it's not just addressing the priest personally. You're addressing the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, that came upon him at ordination and allows him to function in the very person of Christ. You see again how poetic, theological, and how rich that language is. The Lord be with you, and Father, also with the Holy Spirit that enables you to act in the person of Christ. I think, friends, in all these ways, more courtly, more theological, more poetic, these new translations are unleashing some of the power of these Latin texts that we've been missing for the past many years. So I would urge you to move with great uh, confidence and with great curiosity and interest into these wonderful new texts that I think will help us pray as the years go by. And God bless you. I hope you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George, and I pray that God will bless you and those you love. Four years in the making, and it's finally here. Our new Catholicism documentary series, book, and study program are now available to order online at catholicismseries.com. Will you help me introduce this epic film series to your parish, school, family, and friends? Catholicism is an unprecedented adventure around the world and deep into the faith. Learn more at catholicismseries.com or call 1-866-928-1237. That's 1-866-928-1237.